The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. G'day, g'day guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we have a whole bunch going on today, a whole bunch in Hollywood. We are on with your favorite co-host and mine, Paul Michael Boland. G'day, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hello. I do want to give a quick shout out and say uh, to Float Therapy Spa in Huntington Beach, to True Rest uh, Float Float in Vegas, and True Rest in Sedona. I absolutely love, love, love the float spas, and they help every time I fall off of something and injure myself. Um, and speaking of injuring themselves, we've had an interesting, interesting few days in Hollywood. What do you think, Paul? Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, I need to catch up on the news, too. So. Well, we'll start with uh, the sad things and then move on to the legal things, because the most interesting mm-hmm. things to happen in Hollywood this week were mostly legal. There was, of course, the uh, lead singer of Linkin Park committed suicide. Yeah, there's a video going around of him and Chris Cornell doing a duet, which is really just oof. Yeah, heartbreaking. He committed suicide on what would have been Chris Cornell's 52nd birthday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Everyone, it's, oh, it's... Don't be it's, afraid it's to ask for help, people. Yeah, mental, mental illness is not something to battle alone, and working in entertainment can actually be very isolating, believe it or not. It can be isolating for a lot of people. Then, of course, we have the big legal issues going on. We've got OJ out of jail, or coming out of jail. He's getting paroled. He's getting paroled. Yep, he'll be out soon. He asked for permission to go to Miami. I I Um, doubt he'll be on Dancing with the Stars, like people have been saying. No, I don't think he will, but he'll definitely be looking for a way to come back in the media. And I think we need to do what we did with Chris Brown, and not uh, not with Chris Brown, with... uh, which, Alexis, what's the name of that football player that keeps calling me? Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Yeah, Michael Vick. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, what's what's the name of the guy that keeps calling me him? We need to, like, push them out. I don't, like, I, I don't think we need to represent this in media, but it's going to be up to the public as always. And then you just told me Marilyn Manson got paroled. Oh, no. Uh, that, thankfully, according to Snopes, is complete false. So anybody, oh so it's been God, going around God. Facebook. It's been going around Facebook that Charles Manson is getting released to some place in Texas. He is not. That's a good which is thing. A good thing. Yeah, Texas is not really the place we'd want him. Um, isn't that's where Koresh and his uh, followers all got into the standoff with the police? Right. But, but yeah, yeah they, that's yeah. He was a Looney Tune out here in freaking California, but. I think it might have been because I think Tarantino, uh, Quentin Tarantino's next film is going to be about the Manson murders. So I yes. think the people just got a little creative. Don't believe everything you read, people. I, Don't I believe anything believe you it read until on I, Facebook. That, that, I fell for it because I, I told you before the show that, mm-hmm. hey, it looks like Charles Manson's getting released too. Nope. Yeah. It, it's it's one funny thing about Facebook. To check it out and boom, it's, mm-hmm. it's complete, complete fabrication. 
I don't think they could ever let him out just because of the uh, one, the backlash to he still has followers. Yeah. Yeah. He almost had somebody, some young girl tried to marry him or something like that not too long ago. Yep. And they denied that. It was it was mm. bizarre. So we're on the legal subject. I do want to say we've got an interesting phenomenon going on in Hollywood. Um, I got this from a friend of mine who is a producer over at Capitol Records. We've had some A-listers do this. Uh, we're mostly, though, we've had B, C, and D-listers do this for press. They're using um, restraining orders to get PR. So what's happening is these, these young aspirings and a few well-known ones, but we'll stick to the young aspirings because I'm, I'm not supposed to say certain things, uh, are using these restraining orders to drum up press. Because, you know, like you said before the show, Paul, no press is bad press, all press is good press. I think unless you are Marilyn Manson. It isn't Manson, necessarily <laughs> true, but, you know. Charles Manson. Yeah, unless you're Charles Manson. But... Um, so what they're doing is it, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. The best way I like to describe it is once upon a time, the older generations, a girl would turn around and say, you know, um, I met this lovely man. He asked me on it or I met this man. He asked me on a date. I said, no, when I went to work the next day, there were a dozen red roses. Well, that's what's happening. But these actresses and these singers are using that to get restraining orders. They're looking at the online stuff, which is much harder to pin people for, but they're getting restraining orders against their first little round of fans and followers so that they can rack up these numbers of restraining orders and show that they are wanted. It's like a girl, you know, pretending she has a boyfriend in high school. This is the look how famous I am. People want me, so I'm going to get restraining orders. The problem is... It's ruining these people's lives. Mm -hmm. You can't treat it in the same way. When someone puts themselves in the media, you can't treat it in the same way. I get people come up to me all the time. I get nice people come up to me all the time. It's not the same as being outside of entertainment. I know, Paul, same thing. You know, you've done stuff. People have recognized your places or said hi. It's different than when you're outside of entertainment. And to put the same standard, which is the standard that's set puts a really low bar for anyone in entertainment, which means they're going to change the bar for restraining orders, but that's really negatively going to affect people that genuinely need them. Yeah, anytime these false Because these aren't a status symbol thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous and horrible, so... <sighs> you know, that, well... And, of course, you know, people don't realize that, you know, if you have this uh, stigmatism about you that you're ready to get litigious at any given moment, why would you risk even having that person on your set? And that's it. And that's something I don't think people are taking into account. But I don't think that's something that's ever come up before. This is kind of a new frontier for Hollywood. We've never had... Usually people in entertainment will put up with a lot more shit rather than a lot less shit. Meaning you'll put up with more people coming up to you. You'll put up with people trying. You know, I, I go places and it, especially around sets or work and I have people coming up to me with screenplays. I've had people come to my house trying to get me to look at their screenplays, um, especially when, you know, I was I was um, working exclusively on distribution. I have people showing up with movies all the time. So it's not the same bar 
and these girls are using the fact that it's not the same bar and it's only been girls so far. If you guys want to check it out yourselves... Um, do a little Googling, do a little digging, and you're going to find a lot of no-name celebrities or Instagram models that have a bunch of restraining orders against people. And it's for cyber-stalking, digital stalking coming into the real world. It's really scary. Um, not that, you know, I'm sure some of them legitimate, but just the sheer volume, it's not legitimate. I mean, Sandra Bullock has 30 or 40 in America, 30 or 40 in Europe, 30 or 40 in each country. And we're talking about these girls have racked up hundreds, and they're using them as a status symbol. And things last a long time. You know, I, I can say, and it's a matter of public record, I have restraining orders against people. Um, I have peaceful contact order against someone. It's a matter of public record. And it's not for little things. And they're not a status symbol. They can ruin someone's life. And this is kind of a terrifying trend for me in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, well, what the hell? I think we need to have... I, I, we've got to have either a different set of rules for people in entertainment because there is a different level of interaction. Um, even, you know, my, my assistant, Alexis, I have an assistant named Alexis, for those that don't know. You know, she's a, she's a dome in her spare time for fun. And she's just a really interesting character. But even taking her to Comic-Con and some of the places she goes, um, she has managed to pick up a couple of followers and some of them have gotten out of line. And I've, I've either stepped in or we've talked about legal action because these guys have gotten out of line. And this is an assistant to a person that works at a studio. So it does exist, but when you take it to that level and these are used as a status symbol, it's not going to protect the people that need it because it's going to have much harsher penalties and it's just not going to be effective. Yeah, I just... Take a take a second before you decide to do this stuff and realize how the bigger picture it's going to affect things in the bigger picture. Like people again who actually need these things, uh, you're also destroying the life of the person that you're throwing it throwing it against, and you're going to wind up with the stigmatism of being litigious. And if it ever comes out that you know if a judge decides that no no this is complete you know crap, that stigmatism is also going to follow you around. I know Capital's actually starting to weed people out because of this. And that was how uh, my producer friend over at Capital told me they have some singers over there um, that, that have been doing this. And unfortunately, a couple of A-listers have picked up on this trend, which is fucking unbelievable as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. But my friend at Capital said that's now actually part of their screening and what they're looking at is how do these people react to being famous because we're in the internet age. Everybody's famous. You're going to have somebody that recognizes you from some social media feed. Everybody's a little bit famous. Everyone gets their five minutes today. And now these companies have to look at how you react to it and what you're going to do because they want the next Johnny Depp. Maybe not the credit card bill issues and all the problems he's having. Thank you, Amber Heard. But they want the next big star. They don't want... Um, yeah, the next big legal problem. Yeah. Some, you know, they don't want the next OJ. They don't want the next, the next bit of drama. And I think it's... 
I'm really trying to cut back on my words, but I have to say this, Paul. I find mm. it unbelievable that these girls would do that. They would go in and ruin someone else's life. Don't get me wrong. I understand it's entertainment. You step on the back of the person next to you to get ahead. The truth is that is not how you succeed in Hollywood. That's never been how anybody succeeds. The people that keep working are the easy people to work with. Not always the best actors, but the people that show on time, shut up, and don't cause any problems. You can do well on social media by being loud and out there and everything else, but even Snooky, when the cameras were off, shut up and got out of the director's way. And people have taken this melodrama bullshit that has so become an institution and this reality television horseshit and dumped it all over social media and think that's how they're going to get famous. And these girls are so fucking stupid. They think that the way to prove their worth is to show you how many people are stalking them. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's yeah. kind of all I want to say about that. Like, that is what I want to say. That is what I've been biting my tongue trying not to say. But it's unbelievable. These girls are willing to destroy people's lives. Just in, just in general... Try not to try to be as little of an asshole as you possibly can. <laughs> I mean, just really, just, come on, kids, really, really. <laughs> if you want to be in entertainment, that isn't how to do it. And if you're a fucking Instagram model, you're not a model. And if you're a model slash a- slash actress, or better known as a mattress, cut mm-hmm. that shit off. Pick something. You're either a model or an actress. Put 100% into what you're doing and you will succeed. The minute you branch into 10 directions, you fail because you can't put 100% of yourself in one direction. And you know what? If you think it makes you look special to have 85 restraining orders because you're an Instagram model, it makes you look like a goddamn idiot. And the studios want nothing to do with you. The producers want nothing to do with you. And We want nothing to do with you. Yeah, we want nothing to do with you. My God, what has happened? That was my eh, you know. <laughs> or, oh. or as we like to call, you know, in Hollywood, Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Tuesday. Oh, my God. But just what has happened? How has ruining another person's life become a fucking currency? <laughs> that was very articulate, Paul. I appreciate it. I do want to give a quick shout out to Scott Haskin and say thank you for that beautiful music. I'm sorry that we prefaced it with my my tirade. When we come back, but I, I will say before we leave, if you want something that'll cheer you up after my tirade, get some high heels from a whimsical hoot or bespoke glass slipper. They do one of a kind shoes and they do mine for Comic Con. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Russ, and I will try not to cuss about restraining orders being used as um, uh, fame currency. Yeah, as as fame currency. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bolan. Fuck whoever's getting restraining orders. This is, except for the people that need it, let me be clear, (laughs) not a currency. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. 
we explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delana Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you looking to get more from your relationship? Why is it that some people just seem to have a better sex life, better marriage, and a closer, more meaningful relationship? Find out the best-kept secrets and more on The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Carol and David will share insight about the swinging lifestyle and how it has strengthened their love and marriage, not to mention their great sex. Tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bolin, who you'll like better than you like me. And we are talking about all things Hollywood. Um, I got to say, I had a little bit of a meltdown over the uh, restraining order currency. I know that was a bit um, awful, is, is all I can say. So let's go on the lighter side of Hollywood now. You know they're doing a reboot of DuckTales, Paul? Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I actually have a friend who was uh, an original voice on uh, on the original DuckTales. Tales. I don't know if they called him, though. So. Uh, well, I know they didn't call the writer, because I know uh, Dev Ross was one of the writers on that. Mm. So I know they didn't go with the original team, so we'll see where that goes. But I will say, it's been really, really interesting. Um, they wanted to do an Indiana Jones reboot. You know, they, yeah, that they eventually will happen, but I think they gotta wait for Harrison Ford to get just too old so that people they will build they want to go. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things. So, for anyone that doesn't know, here's a Hollywood secret: in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they were trying to get um, Sean Connery out of retirement, and he actually did agree at one point to come out of retirement. The original screenplay. Consisted of short round. If anyone remembers him from uh, the Temple uh, of Doom, yeah. Apparently, Indiana Jones uh, took him after his parents died, and he tried to pick Indiana Jones' pocket. Took him, put him in boarding school in the United States, and he became an archaeologist. It was actually supposed to follow him, but they didn't think uh, an Asian lead would carry it, so they fucked the entire thing up and put in Shia LaBeouf, and we ended up with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So that was the racist, terrible reason. Um, I loved, 
I love that idea. I wish they'd have done it. I think that would have been great. But he was supposed to jump in and continue the franchise. And if you guys read the books, that's what happened. Uh, Henry got old. Henry Jr. and Sr. got old. And then uh, Short Round ended up having a son and called him Henry. Henry Jones Lee. And so it was. it's really, really interesting. Read the books if you can, but that was supposed to happen. We have Dr. Russ on the line. Dr. Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you, Summer? Good. We've managed to have a tangent about racism in Hollywood and restraining orders in Hollywood, so you're a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I we don't have feel so fresh today. You don't feel so fresh today? It's, it's pretty hot in Palm Springs. I'm hanging up hanging out here as well so it's uh, a little bit warm i'm looking forward to getting back to la we have we'll a couple <laughs> we have a cu- we have some write-ins for you okay. and i found these really interesting because two of them i picked because they're from right around you one yeah. of them is from palm springs in california from matthew um can my diet affect my sexual stamina and reverse erectile dysfunction uh, I, I would uh, ask Matthew if uh, uh, he's by any chance consuming alcohol because, you know, both sexual stamina uh, as well as erectile dysfunction can be affected uh, as well as stamina in general by, by alcohol. Uh, he's actually about 24. He's on my face. He's, he's on my Facebook for behind the scenes and everything else. Um, so I can tell you he is definitely consuming alcohol and a lot of it because he does a lot of party pictures. Yes, with the condition commonly known as whiskey dick. So, yep. yeah, it happens. Whiskey dick. <laughs> uh, I don't now, make these. I don't no, make the no, rules. That, that's a good one, Paul. Uh, I was wondering if uh, he had uh, had a physical exam uh, by his primary care physician um, recently because uh, – his doctor can help him get to the bottom of his complaints better than uh, we can over the radio. So the suggestion then for Matthew would be go see your doctor and maybe lay off on the booze and also posting them on everyone else's uh, social media, just saying. The next question we have is from Michelle in Indio, California. Oh. How can I tighten my skin without surgery after rapid weight loss? Well, uh, being that she's in India, there are a lot of uh, dermatologists here who uh, like to think they can uh, help that. I, I think that uh, sometimes surgery is the only answer. You know, if you have one of these paniculi that hang down to your knees, uh, that's not uh, your skin's natural elasticity is not going to come into play with that. But uh, uh, as time goes on, your your skin will. Uh, uh, tighten up even after rapid weight loss. Um, patience is the best virtue for a patient. So, you know, as time goes on, it'll it'll tighten up. But uh, now, you know, things like laser and uh, th- those sorts of treatments, they're they're usually quite expensive. Insurances don't pay for them. Uh, creams, uh, sure, moisturizers, but uh, there's no. Uh, magical oil of Olay or anything like that that's going to, you know, have a profound impact on uh, tightening of, of the skin. Now, 
a dermatologist might tell you differently, but that that's my uh, my take on her situation. Fantastic. And then our last one is from Catherine in Ripley, Mississippi. What can I do in my diet to look younger and healthier? Well, you can uh, look healthier if you are healthier. Uh, there are basic things you can do for good health, healthy eating. Uh, and my book is a good guide for that. Getting enough rest. Women need eight hours, men need seven hours a night, and uh, exercise. Uh, the American Heart Association recommends exercise uh, most days of the week. I'd also recommend avoiding the negative factors for good health, like tobacco, alcohol, or drugs, uh, overexposure to the sun, excess stress, toxic relationships, negative thinking, Good relations with friends and family help a lot. Uh, you know, life is uh, about living in the world with other people. So uh, I, I, I know those are general uh, al, um, general principles, but uh, I think that's where you, you would find the answer. I like that. I do want to give a shout out to everyone because I've had people contact me to let me know this. Um, you can buy Dr. Russ's book, The Palm Springs Diet, of course, on Amazon.com, AuthorHouse.com, KennethRussMD.com, and uh, Walmart, Walmart.com. I had a bunch of people yes, buy it off there and tell me that. Who told you that? Um, I've had people email us online. Apparently, that's where they've been buying it. I see. Well, good. So, I I think it's... Uh, I, I don't uh, get rich selling these books, but I, I'd, I'd like to impart the uh, information that I've acquired with, uh, with your listeners. So uh, I definitely encourage it. Uh, I think that... Um, my favorite question today is, uh, 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 I haven't decided yet, but I think number three, because, uh, it, you know, it just pertains to um, guidelines for, for healthy living. And uh, so, Catherine in Ripley, Mississippi. Okay, so Catherine, you will be getting a copy of the Palm Springs Diet, which I am now getting flooded. You can get from Barnes & Nobles. You can get on eBay. You can get from Biblo. You can get from Jet. My goodness, Dr. Russ, your book's everywhere. <laughs> oh. Well, thanks to you, Summer. <laughs> I, I, don't, I think it's because it's a good book. Dr. Russ, well, thank you so much. You have a lot of followers. And they they trust you so. And they and they're going everywhere for it. So guys, you can go check it out, um, and apparently you can buy it everywhere now. <laughs> but go to kennethrossmd.com. Grab yourself a copy of the book. Go to Amazon. Go to AuthorHouse. Go to Barnes and Nobles. Go to just just go get a copy of the Palm Springs Diet. Doctor Us, thank you so much for being on the show, and of course, thank you so much for. Um, giving us so much, so so much good information. Thank you, thank you, Summer. Thank you, Paul, and look forward to next week. We'll talk to you next week, guys. When we come back, 
we are going to have, by popular request, Mark Pirro back on the show so we can find out how you can make your own movie because everyone was very mad that I uh, didn't get to the online questions. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with Paul Michael Bolin. And, of course, special thanks to Dr. Russ. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Taramino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and I'm going to do a bunch of shout outs really quickly. Um, if anyone can tell me, the actor that played a uh, short round in the Indiana Jones series, the name of the actor, I will give you two free rides at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California. I do want to give a shout out to Aloft Phoenix Hotel over at the airport because we go stay there every time we do Comic-Con and we love you guys. Scott Haskin for the intro music. Guys, check out his music. And I do want to say marchingapparel.com. You need a bunch of clothes done. This is what we use when we have, um, when we do our shirts at the end of a show, when we do bags, when we do giveaways. We use marching apparel because they're easy, they're cheap, they're fast, and they're really freaking good. I'd love to welcome to back to the show um, by popular demand, Mark Pirro. Welcome. Hey, hello again, kids. 
Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for being on again. I have to tell you, um, you, I had so much hate mail at the end of the show last week. It was unbelievable. No. I did. Oh for not asking oh. you that. We had so many write-ins. Usually we'll take questions, but we kind of got caught up chatting with you and didn't take any questions. And oh so um, we got we got loving hate mail, but it was hate mail <laughs> nonetheless. Well, welcome to my world. <laughs> you get hate mail? No, so, actually I don't. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I'll get hate comments, but it's usually not from my films. It's from my Mohammed videos. Ah, well, that's that's exactly um, exactly what you should do is just irritate everyone um, yeah. with that. That that mm-hmm. sounds like a, I, I have no idea. I, I have no words. That just made me laugh. Uh, I'm going to jump okay. straight into the questions, if you don't mind. I at least want to get some of the questions out of the way. Um, and it. I'm going to paraphrase some of them. One is from Stephen in, in Los Angeles, California. And his oh, question was, you know Stephen? Yeah. Guy named Stephen. Oh, I, I, yeah. Um, we have we have Stephen in Los Angeles, California, and he said, mm. much like the film Dogma, the idea of a submissive Jesus is very subversive. Do you get the backlash that Kevin Smith did? Do you worry about the backlash? Uh, well, I'll start with the the second question. No, I don't worry about the backlash. I mean, anybody that makes movies about gay werewolves or uh, <laughs> you know giant asses, really, you can't be too concerned about what people are going to say, uh, you can't please everybody. And as far as religion goes, I think that uh, it's low-hanging fruit. I mean, you're, you're making comedy about something that is absolutely ridiculous to begin with. So when we do it, the people that get it, um, you know, they enjoy it. They have no problem with it. The people that don't get it really shouldn't even see my films like this. But, uh, I mean, or see the, the by the submissive Jesus or whatever. What was the first part of the question? I forgot already. I've moved all the way down to the bottom. Hang on. Do you get the criticism that Kevin Smith gets? Oh, Lord, no. I mean, first of all, probably a fraction With, of the people He compared know it to dogma. Me. Yeah, but I mean, uh, no, I think uh, Kevin Smith probably gets more criticism because he's, um, he's, he's more visual. You know, he's a bigger uh, celebrity than I will ever be uh, physically and uh, creatively. <laughs> But, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like I, him. He actually tunes into this show occasionally, and I've worked. He's a nice man. I'm going to tell him you said oh, that, and he's going to laugh his ass off. Well, great. Have him call me. You know, we'll do lunch. <laughs> I like that. That was fantastic. So the comparison to Dogma is unfounded. We have from Simone. If I want to make a low-budget film, and I want to do something that's going to piss people off, where would I start? Oh, God. Oh, that's that's a bizarre question. I mean, I couldn't tell you because I don't make movies to piss people off. I mean, people that get pissed off is sort of a byproduct. Um, You know, if somebody takes offense, again, of of something I do, I'm I'm just trying to entertain. I'm not trying to go out there and and cause trouble or controversy. So I guess if you want to piss somebody off, pick a subject and then satirize it, you know? I mean, whatever it's, whatever the hot button is, if you want to... In fact, like, I had an idea for a movie about an abortion clinic that, that's run like Animal House, and um, I got about halfway through the script and said, well, no, nah, this isn't really going to work. And not because I was worried about pissing anybody off, but just because it's hard sometimes to pull comedy out of a subject that, you know, is that, I guess, controversial. 
So I don't really have an answer for her. I think, um, you know, if you're, if you want to make a movie just to piss people off, there's other ways you can do that other than making films. You know, you can go and stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and, uh, or go to a church with a bullhorn or, or just, um, just throw a bullhorn at somebody's head. I don't really know. I'm not out pissing people. Yeah, I'm really not out to, out to piss off. anyone. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I said you're not out to piss anyone off. It's just a fun <laughs> byproduct. It's good press, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, but like I say, it's never been the intent. And, and if somebody is pissed off, I mean, it doesn't bother me only because, again, they shouldn't be watching my movies. I mean, you know, you don't go to a silent movie if you want to hear a musical. You know what I mean? There's certain things that you probably should avoid if, if you're thin-skinned and something's going to bother you. I would suggest if you don't like Animal House and you don't like um, those kind of films, don't watch yours. If you don't like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, if you don't like fun movies, exactly. don't watch. If you like, if you don't like, if you don't like funny movies, don't watch your movies. I like them. Right. Uh, we have one young. from Dario, Dar- Dario, Dario, D A R I O, Dario. Dario. Oh yeah, Dario. I know. I know Dario. <laughs> Dario. Um, mm-hmm. His question. He's from Idaho. His question. It's okay. this is really long. Hang on. His question. Okay. The short version is in the political in the current political climate. Does it add to your ability to make comedic films or to make films with a political commentary? Uh, not for me. I've never been really political with my movies. Um, I've been political with some short videos that I do for the internet, whether it be a Trump comedy or something that's kind of a satirical thing on the state of the union. But as far as filmmaking goes, not really. I mean, there may be moments in my films where we might say something specific that might be on a political level, but that's never been my agenda. Um, The closest thing we could say came to that was maybe when I did the God Complex, because that kind of had a little bit of a, a political slant in a way, but it was, it's always the undercurrent if it is, if it's there at all. It's never been the driving force for me anyway. I like that. that now, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to interrupt with one of mine. We have, we have them popping in and I will sporadically answer them, but I promised to start <laughs> with some before we started talking. So I did get hate mail this week. No, we don't so want I, that. It will, no, Paul and I usually get hate mail for something at least one of us has said every week. So it's okay. I see. Um, well, Paul, I can not, understand. Paul, yeah, you can understand. Ahead. Yeah, we, we, we have a tendency. We have, yeah. we have a tendency to take turns <clears throat> pissing people off. Um, now, it's, it's, it's easier in some ways and harder in some ways for people to make films in today's climate. The kind of films you make have been compared to the films that Lloyd Kaufman makes, films like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, The Toxic Avenger. One person compared them to blood-sucking pharaohs from Pittsburgh. That one person, by the way, was my dad, who has seen your films, loves them, but he's his favorite film currently is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, so maybe not someone to listen to. Um, yeah. But he loves your films, absolutely loves your films. And this is a man, yeah. you know, this is a politician in Australia. 
So you have a pretty global reach. I actually, I have to admit, until last week, I hadn't really seen a lot of your movies. I loved the Submissive Jesus thing when it was given to me, and I started looking into it. But my dad's been watching your stuff for years. I mean, you have a very entrenched following. Well, that's pretty astounding. You you didn't know that? <laughs> um, I I don't really keep up with who's watching me or whatever. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and it goes, I'd say it goes in waves. Like, sometimes I'll hear from a lot of different people that say, I saw one of your films when I was 13, or I saw this, and it inspired me to go out and buy filmmaking equipment or whatever. Uh, but it comes in spurts, you know, so... There was a period back in the 90s when we were getting a a bit more coverage when I was doing Nudist Colony of the Dead, for example. You know, I mean, we had coverage on hard copy and Entertainment Tonight and, you know, Fox News and all that. So that's probably when it was a little bit more prevalent. But, um, you know, I I would say that most of the fans have probably grown up and gotten responsible lives and had kids and probably committed some crimes and went to jail. So who knows? But, um, my dad grew mm-hmm. up, had kids, had, my dad grew up, had kids, has a responsible life, but is still really a fan. Um, and I'm wow. finding with people online, there really is a very entrenched fan base for you. Do you ever tap into that and do film festivals or anything with your films, screenings, things like that, because you do have such, and I'm going to call it an underground following. Um, there, there are mm-hmm. the cult followings like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but you really have an un- underground following. And I didn't know this until I didn't ask you questions and, you know, I was threatened. <laughs> so it, okay. it's really surprising. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to my dad who loves your movies. Um, again, hmm. though, probably not the benchmark that you want. Um well, I'll take I, I love I my get. dad. I, I love my dad. But it was just saying. I love your dad too. Um, oh, good. Yeah, well, I, I, will tell that that. I probably don't do as much as I should as far as doing the festivals or the conventions or things like that. Um, I would say promotion is probably my weakest link. You know, I've uh, I, I make the movie and then I usually turn it over to somebody to try and do something with it, and then I move on. Um, I wish I were a little bit better at doing the social deals and maybe I can get more into it, but, uh, it's just something that I've never been that good at. So, you know, why do something you're not good at? Why is is there any way, is there any way your fans could talk you into doing like, can you do more because people are out there? Are you planning on doing any more films like this? Um, well, you know, if, if somebody were to approach me and say, hey, we got some event coming up and we'd like to do a Pyro Night or we'd like to do something and have you show up or whatever, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably be okay with that. So uh, I'm going to hook you up with Palm Springs Comic Con and we're going to do that. All right. Because I, I talk there. I'm going to hook you up with Palm Springs Comic Con. I'm telling my assistant, Alexis, get him in contact with mm-hmm. Chris Spillman, get him set up over at Palm Springs Comic Con, please. Set me up, there you babe. Go. <laughs> that's that mm-hmm. that's done um so that should calm down some of the hate mail i'm pointing that out to my people on twitter um actually Alrighty. they're not my people that got mad they're your people that got mad at me my people so they're your people they're your little Good army people. that got mad at me um got biggest rally ever <laughs> biggest rally ever i, 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 I really was i was really surprised your films have made such an impact on people and that wasn't something 
that was evident until kind of after the show and when people weren't heard. Um, hmm. do, do you see the impact that your films make? I'm sorry, what was the question? Do you see the impact that your films make? Uh, I don't see it directly. Like I say, I'll get an email from somebody now and then, or I'll hear from people that are influenced or whatever. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that my filmmaking has like you know changed cinematic history or done anything big and dramatic like uh, like say a James Cameron film or a Martin Scorsese film. You know, I, I don't think I could even put myself anywhere near their league, but. But I, I suppose, as you say, is on an underground level, yeah, there's people out there that are aware of these. And, and it's always nice to know that somebody appreciates the things we've done over the years. That's kind of cool. Oh, I will send out a tweet and tell them you're glad they threatened us. Um, All right. I'm going to go back to some questions, I'm sure. I know Paul loves it when, you know, our, our listeners get pissed at us. Um uh. <laughs> It's a nice change. It just kind of happens. It just happens. Usually, yeah, we we take turns. Um, Mm -hmm. We have from Patricia, if you have subversive humor in your film, do you think there is a way of getting the film out that this is really long? Do you think there is a way of getting the film out there in a way that will make people want to see it without pushing away some view? Some view, this is really long and convoluted. Do you think there's a way of putting (laughs) subversive films out there that will get people to watch it um, and get an underlying message out in a funny way? That's from Patricia. That's kind of what I'm getting from that. Yeah, well, you know, I think that whenever you make a film, no matter how controversial or even how benign it is, somebody's going to like it and somebody's not going to like it. All right. So I would just say, be true to yourself, make the film you want to make. Don't worry about what's going to happen with it afterwards. Don't worry about if, you know, Oh, I got to do this or I got to do that. I got to put sex in by page 20 or I got to have violence by page 10. You know, don't follow that formula on on a low budget level. Make the film you want to make you know, if you get $20 million, yeah, then you could follow a formula and say, we got to do this and we got to have a superhero and we got to have, you know, Johnny Depp in here and, you know, all that. But at, at this budget level, when you're not spending a lot of money to make a film, just make the film you want to make, you know, put it out there and let the cards fall where they may. If it catches on and people start talking about it, spreading it to other people and, you know, it starts catching heat or whatever, that's great. But don't let that be the driving force to make your film. Just make your film and see where it goes. Does that answer the question or did I kind of... I, I think that myself? absolutely answers the question. Do you, do you enjoy doing... I, I know your genre has kind of changed. You've gone from um, what I would call the, um, the absurd and the kind of mixed with the frat house to more of a dramatic comedy you, you've kind of made a shift. Um, do you see yourself shifting back? Well, I think we touched on this last week. I am not doing it out of, um, a, a, out of a desire to be less funny or to make less crazy movies. It's just that uh, as you get older, your comedy chops sort of uh, waver a little bit. You know, it's sort of like hard to, it's hard to imagine any celebrity or a writer that's as funny when they're older as they were when they were younger. So when I was making films like Queer Wolf or Rectuma or you know, Polish Vampire, uh, yeah, I was a lot younger and things were different, funnier, you know, farts were funnier back then. Um, as you get older and it becomes, I'm sorry, what were you saying, Paul? The farts are always still funny. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on, you know, who does them and how they sound. But, but I think that as you get older and you can either fight it and keep trying to be funny um, or you can go with the flow, which is kind of what I did when I did my last film, Rage of Innocence, uh, it was not funny. It was just a, you know, an actual thriller of a film. And, and the current one, which, by the way, we're premiering next week. I don't know if you're coming to it. Paul, you're coming to it. Uh, I'm going to try. All right, well, uh, the the current movie, Celluloid Soul, um, is it's a kind of a comedy, but it's more of a poignant, uh, you know, serious kind of a comedy. Uh, and, and it's not, again, because I wanted to ch- shift gears. It's just that it's, it's tough to write really cutting-edge comedy, especially when you've got people like Seth MacFarlane doing it much better than I ever could. You know, or uh, the guys that do South Park or, you know, I mean, there's just so many things now that have caught up to what I used to do when I was in my 20s. Um, I do don't know you, if that... Do you hmm? think you kind of pioneered that? That was one of the things that came up repeatedly in, in the write-ins and what people were asking. What you did was ahead of South Park. It was ahead of Family Guy. It was ahead of The Simpsons. It was ahead of, you know, if you look at um, South Park, <laughs> there was the movie Asses of Fire within the South Park mm-hmm. movie. And they kind of worked on those premises. And have, have you mm-hmm. seen the South Park movie? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, that was one of my favorite movies for a long time. Dozens um, of times I saw it. It, it. it was wonderful. And there is some reference and some people suggesting that some of what you've done has inspired this type of comedy. Well, that's very possible. But keep in mind, there were people doing it before me. Um, you know, early Woody Allen was kind of out there, uh, and John Landis, uh, I don't know if you remember his first films, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie, um, there was the, uh, well, obviously Animal House, which was done in 77, I believe, which was before I made my first feature, so, you know, there were the, they were, they were heading towards that road, there were filmmakers that were starting to pioneer that, uh, that trail, and it certainly wasn't me, but I kind of went along with that trail because I loved the early John Landis films. In fact, I used to pester John Landis years before um, because I was such a fan, and, and I used to work at a theater, and I would sit in the uh, auditorium on my lunch break when they were running movies like Blues Brothers and American Werewolf in London, and I sent John Landis a letter saying, listen, don't listen to these bad reviews. If people are giving you bad reviews, I'm sitting in the audience listening to people loving and laughing your, you know, at your films and, or with your films. And, and it sort of uh, gave me a sort of a feeling of camaraderie with that type of comedy, that type of humor. So to answer your question, no, I don't believe I'm, I've pioneered anything. I just sort of rode a little bit of that crest maybe. Well, I think you you helped move it along. You know, the the very first fart in film. Uh, does, I'm, I'm going to say this: if anyone can tell me where the first fart in film came from, I'll give you two tickets to ride in off road rentals in Palm Springs, oh, California. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. You know? I know. I know. I know. One of my I favorite. My favorite. Yeah. One of mine too. And the and and the guy that made it's coming on the show. Anyone? Who, what is it? Mel Mel Brooks is coming on your show. He is. No way! Really? Yes, he is. We love Mel Brooks. Um, he's coming I'm, on. I'm, I'm been honored talking to about be him on for like, about six months. 
Wow, to be on the same show that Mel Brooks is being on. That's that's really cool. Tell them about me. Tell them I said hi. I will. I will. <laughs> but right now we're ask focused on you. Ask him if I you. Uh, in- inspired him. <laughs> if you inspired him at all, I will ask him. Um, but it was, yeah. you're right, it was Mel Brooks. And what scene was it? Oh, come on. It was the bean scene in Blazing Saddles. But let me that's ask you this. You uh, spot on? I'm that sorry, what? Spot on? I didn't hear I didn't that. Pass- I'll say you've had enough. But, you know, I think, yeah, enough beans. Well, do you, I, but you got to understand, too, that, to do that, too. <laughs> when, that, um, when that movie came out, I mean, that's all everybody talked about, that scene. And uh, that was, you know, I mean, it, it's 30 seconds in the whole movie. And, of course, when they played it on television, they wiped off the sound. So, you know, all you saw were well, these guys wiped out standing that scene. I remember seeing it in really? television before and that scene wasn't even in there it wasn't until i rented the vhs tape and when i was like about 14 that i got the farts really yeah well Well, i know that i knew that when they aired it on some uh some network they left the scene in but they just literally wiped off the soundtrack so you heard you heard nothing you just saw them standing yeah you just heard over on one side in the air and going i say you've had enough so (laughs) right well but so, you know, anyway, to a lot of the aspiring uh, filmmakers that have been contacting us on Twitter with love and hate mail, um, you've been a real inspiration to them. We have about three minutes left of the show. Please tell everyone where they can find you on social media. I want to make sure they can give you the mail directly. This, this is where you can get okay. him this time. You can send all your hate or love mail to <laughs> me um, in care of puremount.com. Uh, you can actually contact me directly at puremount at hotmail.com. Uh, that comes directly to me. You could, uh, I also have a Facebook page, which is just, uh, you know, Puremount on Facebook. Um, I think those are real. I, I have a Twitter account, but I hardly use it because, I don't know, you know, old people tend to not I'm, use Twitter as I'm much as I'm trying to learn it myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I check it out once in a while, but, and then, uh, you know, we're also premiere, if anybody's local to the Los Angeles area and would be interested in coming to the premiere of our uh, Celluloid Soul, you know, we've got room, so they can contact well, us and... Uh, they can contact you with tickets? Perfect. Uh, so, guys? Yeah, they could, I would say that, uh, yeah, that would probably be cool. So go and check out the premiere of Celluloid Soul. Um, will you post on Facebook where people could go if they go to your Facebook? Um, it should be there already, I think. If, they, if you click on my page on Facebook, there should be information about the theater and the times and all that. It's going to be this Tuesday at 7 p.m. But, um, yeah, you know, in theory, they should be able to find that information just by going to my website or contacting If not, us. I will also post the information on our website. Just in case. Very cool. So I'm going to post the information on our website. You can find it. Um, Mark, Mr. Perry, thank you so, so much, Mark, for being on the show. Oh, happy to do it. Time really goes by fast, doesn't it? It does. It does. But we got questions in. I'm pointing that out to the audience. Um, Check out Celluloid Soul. It's coming out. It's premiering this Tuesday. And tell me what your favorite Mark Pirro movie is. Write me on Facebook, let me know, and we'll see if we can get you some prizes that way. I'm Summer Helene. Our special guest for today was Mark Pirro, who you all love. And, of course, my co-host, Paul Michael Bolin, who you all like better than you like me. I will see you guys next week. This is Behind the Scenes. Good night. Good night. 
Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.